You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. But they do the review, and then it still stood, but it created some good TV, I thought. Meet you at the bike rack after school is what it sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Brazilian Tide. Every time I go to the grocery store, I am ten. Tempted by the Halloween candy. What is your poison? Like for Halloween or just in general when I go to the grocery store? Well, uh, let's go with any of the bite size, you know, chocolate bars slash candies um, that are Hall- Halloween traditions. Mm, coffee crisps or Smarties, probably. Oh, you like the Canadian ones, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like. Remember that old Coffee Crisp commercial when everybody's talking about how they like their coffee and the one guy says, well, I like mine crisp. And he was like, what? I, I still remember that commercial from when I was a kid. So and it's like top three. I hate I hate coffee. Love Coffee Crisps. I hate ketchup. Ketchup chips are probably my favorite. Not a big fan of cheese, uh, you know, but scalloped potatoes I'll, I'll eat till the cows come home. <laughs> Dude, if, if coffee... Tasted anything like it did in Coffee Crisp? I'd be wired twenty four seven. Oh, I, there was nothing else I would drink <laughs> because uh, let's face it, coffee does not taste anywhere near it does in cake or ice cream. Doesn't or... taste as good as the French vanillas I get, and it doesn't taste as good as it smells. No, that's oh, for the sure. Smell of coffee is just incredible. I it's so lame, but I am a Reese's peanut butter uh, cup guy. I, I can eat about four forty of those in one sitting. So funny, my so my brother and I used to go hunting for white-tailed deer, and it, it's always in November, so the discount candy. <laughs> and you should see the wrappers. <laughs> By the time the week of hunting is done, you lived on a diet of Halloween candy and just felt like a million bucks. Yeah, that was me and Kindersley two years ago. We got sent down there for work. <laughs> It was like November 2nd. We went to Walmart to buy a shovel because I broke mine in the field. I'm like, oh, $5 for a box of candies. So we bought four, and that's what we lived off for a week for lunch. My crowning achievement was going into the Safeway. This is about four years ago. They got so tired of the extra candy. 90% off the 200-piece box. That was the best. See, but being, <laughs> that was the greatest moment of my life. And it was the good box. Yeah, but being Ukrainian, what you do is you buy a bunch of those boxes and throw them in the freezer so you don't have to buy candy the next year. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, the first game of the week was Hamilton in Toronto to take on the Argos, a 34-20 win for the Tiger Cats. I, I think we got to give credit to the Argos here. They didn't just roll over 
and, uh, you know, let Hamilton walk over him. They were competing, and especially against the run. The Tiger Cats had a tough time getting anything going on the ground. Uh, the Argos, it's their seventh loss in a row. Now Hamilton moves into a tie for first in the East with Ottawa, which makes these next two weeks absolutely crucial. There's going to be a lot of fun football games. Uh, there's there's still a lot to be to be decided with a few leaks uh, left in this season. Um, I, I also think that this game captured maybe the best live mic moment in history. Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> Tressman was not happy. And you know, that pass, I, I, I still couldn't tell you what happened on that pass interference against Ronnie Yell there. It was just a stupid call. And Tressman basically says, hey, Al. I haven't said a word to you in seven years. You're lucky I'm mic'd up tonight. <laughs> yeah. But they do the review, and then it still stood. But it created some good TV, I thought. Meet you at the bike rack after school is what it sounded like. <laughs> the compete level is, is still up. Now, speaking of... Tressman, Arash Madani ended up sending out a tweet in the middle of that game basically saying that the powers that be within the Argos organization are clashing with MLSC. And one of Jim Pop and or Mark Tressman will be gone at the end of the season. Whoa, I just feel like that organization needs some stability. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the new owners clash with the GM and coach, though, that's what happens. And it's what could happen in BC that we talked about last week. So maybe that's why Ed Hervey's trying to get this team into the playoffs as quickly as possible. But I found this report kind of surprising. When when you go into the season expecting you're going to have your franchise quarterback give your backup in James Franklin and or McLeod Bethel Thompson an entire year to study under one of the greatest of all time and then take over seamlessly next year. Of course, that's not the way it went down with uh, Ricky Ray getting hurt at the beginning of the year. The kind of kind of set the Argos off track right from the start. Well, and this is a team that went into the draft two years ago with no head coach and no general manager. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a bizarre situation. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, stability is what they need. Like any, you look at any successful uh, franchise in almost any league, stability from the top down is is what wins games. What's when what wins championships? And you know, if you're gonna clash with ownership, which which is bound to happen at some point, um, just because yeah. they're not their guys, I, I get that, but. If you want to put a product on the field that you know fans are going to come want to wa- want to come watch and and a, and a winning pro a winning program, uh, you know, getting rid of the coach and the GM after two years of them you know trying to put this thing together and and you know uh, the way that this team was put together was for Ricky Ray to succeed, not so much McLeod Bethel Thompson and James Franklin. So him going down is a huge part of why they struggled this year. I, I don't think it's on the coach and the GM. Uh, but I mean, like we said last week, they're hired to be fired. So I, I think I think it would be I think it'd be a terrible move. Uh, you know, keep these guys in there for 
for for as long as you possibly can because these are two of the great minds in the CFL right now. This is kind of a bizarre uh, stat, if you want to call it that, that I uh, I stumbled across last week. And it is one team in the CFL has seen an increase in average attendance, attendance over last year. Do you have any guess as to who that is? Is it? I'm assuming that it's going to be Toronto because it sounds like a trick question. It is. Hmm. <laughs> when you really think about that. I know the bar is low, yeah. and I, I don't mean that as a shot, but that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Regina, the honeymoon's kind of over with the, the new stadium, and the, the new stadium's bigger than uh, Taylor Field as well. I know a lot of people in Saskatchewan and a lot of people in general thought they should get a 40,000, 45,000-seat stadium in Saskatchewan, but it just can't be sustained. It's not realistic. Uh, for a city of 150,000 people or whatever to have a stadium that size. Um, Edmonton, they're hosting the Grey Cup. Uh, You would have thought there would have been an increase in season tickets. Uh, The hype leading up to the big game in November would increase attendance. But they've also had really bad luck with weather in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds like a bit of a cop-out. But there's been some crappy games. We sat in the rain for Ludacris. This past game with Buster Rhymes at halftime was uh, it was another cold one. Two weeks ago was a cold one. We're getting kind of November weather in September and October, but it does make a factor, especially on the walk-up crowd. And I mean, Edmonton's lost you know six of eight or whatever up until that this past game. But Toronto, the only team. With an attendance. Now, it's only in the triple digits. It's not thousands or anything like that. But I guess it's a start. And I'd wager that the increase would have been a lot more if they would have had a better team this year. Oh, 100% agree. Uh, You know, three and, what are they now, three and 12? Uh, That's not exactly football that a lot of people are going to want to go watch. you know, especially losing, no. especially losing seven in a row. Uh, you know, you have your season ticket base. It's not the it's not the biggest in the CFL by any means. Um, that are still going to. They've got some passionate yeah. fans in Toronto, well, though. They absolutely do. Um, but I mean, tr- you're always trying to get uh, new people in the in the into the stadium. Uh, you know, uh, some markets have skipped a generation. Uh, you know, have missed yeah, have missed yeah. out on people our age, and it may be. A little bit older, like you know, if we had like like your brother's generation, maybe a little bit older. Um, you know, it's really tough for for teams to get new fans when you know parents of kids uh, that they're trying to target aren't fans of the league. So, I mean, any increase is is good in my eyes. Uh, you know, like you said, it's not astronomical by any means, but it's still progress. I think the Argos kind of have a bright future here. James Franklin looked okay in this one. 22 of 37 for 292. He had the two touchdowns and an interception. He also had 44 rushing yards. Um, we knew Franklin was mobile, but, man, yeah, I, I thought he, he had some wheels mm-hmm. in this one. And I think if James Wilder's got to be worried I I really don't think that's exaggerating much here. Um, Brandon Burks had four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, and he also had nine carries for 34 yards. You would have liked to have seen more carries, but <laughs> he's more explosive, I think, than mm-hmm. James Wilder. And with James Wilder holding out last year, wanting more money, 
and because they wouldn't, you know, release him from his contract to go down to the NFL, I, he, if he gets offers, he's going to go. So this is a great insurance policy for the Argos and Brandon Burks. He proved that he can play. We've, we've seen little, a little bit of him earlier in the year, last couple of weeks, where, you know, this guy can carry the football. And, you know, the name of the game is just, if you're gonna if you're gonna run the football in the CFL, you you can't be getting one two yards a carry. You have to you have to have no. a decent average to give your team a shot on that second down. And he proved that he could do that on Friday night. I don't think uh, this can be uh, understated, but the compete level that SJ Green mm-hmm. continues to to show is awesome. He had eleven targets, seven catches for one twenty seven. And a touchdown just continues to get out there and be a leader for this team. He seems like he's the leader on the Argos right now. Uh, Deron Carter had two catches for 18 yards. It still seems a little bit uh, subdued from uh, Deron Carter, but they they do have some legitimate uh, weapons in mm-hmm. Toronto. If they can keep kind of this core together for next year, I think the biggest issues right now are on uh, on defense, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> the the Tiger Cats kind of took them to task there with Mazzoli oh, throwing for took three. Took them to task er maybe. I can't believe you missed that one. <laughs> I totally did. Well done. Well played. Uh, <laughs> Mazzoli threw for 338 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. The 70% completion percentage is looking real good, but uh, their their run game was limited mm-hmm. a little bit with John White having uh, 52 yards on 13 carries. But we're getting to a point, man, where how do you defend Brandon Banks? Uh, you take penalties. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? <laughs> he's, he's gonna, if he's not going to beat you... Hope they mess up. Yeah, if he's not going to beat you by catching the ball running past you, he's going to beat you by drawing penalties. Uh, you know, 8 of 9 for 178 with a touchdown, 31.8 fantasy points. Uh, I, I don't know how... You have to get hands on this guy. You have to slow him down for the line of scrimmage. And if you can't do that, you're done. And we we've we've seen it time and time again where guys... You know, give a little bit of cushion, and if you give him that that one extra yard, uh, you know he's able to grab that extra gear and get around the DB, and he's gone. So, uh, and even on underneath routes, you know he makes stuff happen. So you you have to rally to the football when he has it, and and you have to slow him down somehow right off the line. On the uh, other end, I mean, Luke Tasker had four catches for 63 yards and three touchdowns. He was the guy mm-hmm. in the red zone for Jeremiah Mazzoli. And two of those catches, he's wide open. So, yeah, I, I don't, untouched. Right? So, I mean, and right there, I mean, the only, it seemed the only person that could really tackle Brandon Banks was the goalpost. So, the rest <laughs> of the defense is focused on trying to catch him, and Luke, that just leaves Luke Tasker wide open. So, I mean, uh, not so much, and that's another way Bang hurts. He's, he's drawing so much attention that guys like Luke Tasker and and Mike Jones are able to, to get open or better looks against maybe not the top uh, defensive halves for Toronto, and they're able to get uh, a little bit more favorable matchups. This game didn't mean much for Toronto at all, but they really uh, showed intensity. There were a couple moments in this game where yeah, guys were in their face. It looks like they were ready to fight, and maybe that's just because it's the classic Ticats Argos rivalry. But it meant a lot for players on both teams to win this one, especially Hamilton. And they could have, 
They could have overlooked Toronto. They really could have and put the mail, put themselves in a bad position to catch Ottawa for first in the East, but they they did not, and they ended up winning this one uh, by two touchdowns. It was the 75th game of the CFL season. We're getting oh so close to the end. I'm trying to stall because I don't want to talk about the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I had to work on Saturday. <laughs> hey, I picked Winnipeg to win, but I didn't think it would be a shutout. Yeah, it was a boat that race. Is... But here's... <laughs> But a shutout on the Saskatchewan offense does not surprise me, sadly. No, like, in all reality, Winnipeg should have actually held them to negative points. It would have been the only way that they could have had a good, de- like, uh, a decent defense. Uh, like, you know, an okay defense beats Saskatchewan right now with the way their offense is playing. Uh, you know, uh, the other team's offense, Winnipeg's offense, would have had more pressure, uh, you know, with the way. Saskatchewan's defense is able to force turnovers and score. So, you know, shutting out the Riders, I, whatever. It's not a big surprise for this, for this this year. And and Winnipeg's defense loves the turnover as much as anybody else. So I mean, yeah, it is what it is. I kind of didn't have a lot of faith as, to, I mean, I did change from Zach Kolaros to Trevor Harris on Saturday morning because I was like, yeah, don't be. Yeah, you be getting yeah. tweets left and right. So yeah, I I chickened out, which you know, in hindsight. It was a genius move because he only scored negative point eight. So, I but g- what did Harris score? Sixteen <laughs> uh, ish. So I mean, it was better. Wow. Yeah. Or fourteen. He didn't have the worst game. Then. Four, fourteen and a half points. So I mean, he outscored by fifteen point three. I mean, I'll take it. So I mean, the Riders didn't have a touchdown against Edmonton either. <laughs> <laughs> So there's uh, there's another game without an offensive uh, touchdown, but I, this I don't know what what do you think about this? And I, I honestly believe this that the Riders are soft. Um, when the thermometer drops, I don't think they have what it takes to beat a Winnipeg in you know a minus ten game with some snow. I really don't think they would have a shot at all in winning that. I really don't think there's a team in the CFL that would beat the Bombers in that situation. And the way they look right now, they smashed Edmonton. They smashed Saskatchewan. They went into Ottawa, had a big tough win on the road. This team might and you know what, don't if you, you look at the West Division it. standings. Don't you dare say it. I think, well, let's say this. I think they're playing like Grey Cup champs right now. Is that fair? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's, that's entirely fair. If you look at the West Division standings right now, every team could finish second and, uh, except, well, yeah, actually, every team could finish second. Mm-hmm. And have uh, that semifinal home playoff game. Winnipeg's got a shot. BC does. And Edmonton still has a shot if they win out and Saskatchewan loses out. So this is going to be a crazy end of the season. So this was a big, big loss for Saskatchewan. And on the other side, a massive win for the Bombers. And, you know, this we've, we've, we've beat this horse, beat this dead horse all season. This offense of Saskatchewan is brutal. And like you said, they're soft. Like it seems that they. I don't know how to even. I don't even know where to start with this because to get shut out is just that's so bad. 
Um, it doesn't come as a surprise. I mean, Zach Claro's 8-19 for 69 with two picks, four rushing yards. Brandon Bridge, not a whole heck of a lot better. 7-12 uh, for 59 with seven rushing yards. Uh, I And they're... Well, they're, and Bridge like, had two dropped interceptions, yeah, and I, maybe one was and, on a and that's his mo a penalty. I don't know, but that's his mo. Yeah, right. He gets lucky with those. Um, the receiving core right now is a bunch of who. Um, it's like so that that's not helping matters. It's I don't know. Like their defense shows up. It seems uh, you know that Winnipeg only had two offensive touchdowns. So, I mean, the yeah, they didn't have to do the defense, much. <laughs> the defense didn't let them down. The the, the offense of Saskatchewan was the reason they lost this game, and it wasn't. It's not even up for debate, in my opinion. Well, uh, the defense was on the field every play, and yep. we talk about how they're being soft. Um, we we got to add the fumbles in there too, and I honestly think it was because. These guys were cold. Um, I know Trey Mason didn't have himself a fumble, but it looked like before the game he was hopping around trying to warm up. And <laughs> you're in trouble if the weather's already in your head at that point, man. Yeah, uh, if you if you let if you're letting it affect you now, uh, you know that takes away your home field advantage. Especially if, you're, if let's say BC gets third and Saskatchewan finishes second, and they host that West Semi. You should have oh, yeah. somewhat of an advantage with BC coming in, but if, I mean, if your players are already, you know, being sissies about it and they're already cold, well, you know, if you guys made plays, you'd be on the field more and you'd be moving around more. So maybe take that into consideration. But if the weather's already affecting you now, you're going to lose all home field advantage you have against a dome team, uh, and you know, any any home field advantage is just going to be negligible because. The, the if the weather's affecting you physically, it's going to be affecting you mentally as well. It just slows everything down, and if you, if you're not running all all cylinders, you're not going to win football games. I know a lot of the guys are from the southern United States, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that. No, nope. there's also an amazing thing called sleeves. Yeah, there is that too. Just don't <laughs> wear them in Deron Carter style. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> It's the little things that piss me off, you know? <laughs> it is. I know it is. <laughs> uh, Kyron Moore kind of became the feature guy in this offense, mm-hmm. but he fumbled the ball twice, lost it once. He had six targets and two catches. Caleb Hawley also had a fumble that was lost there, too. And uh, Hawley had seven targets. I, I ended up throwing in my fantasy lineup at the very last minute, and I'm kicking myself because before this game, I took him out, I put Chris Matthews in, and then I started watching interviews with uh, Bo Levi. Yeah, we'll get him worked in when we can. Yeah, we'll get him worked in. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. So I put Holly back in. Two catches, six yards. Thanks, buddy. I had uh, Chris Shaq Matthews. Evans. <laughs> I know you did. Uh, Shaq <laughs> Evans was uh, the leading receiver with 42 yards. But what's sad about this is that Patrick Lavoie had three catches for 38 yards. He's their best Canadian receiver. He's been there for two days. Montreal and Ottawa were basically only using him as a fullback, tight end, kind of hybrid, and now he's their best Canadian receiver. I love Patrick Lavoie. Don't get me wrong, but he has never been used in this role before. No, and, you know, teams teams miss on guys all the time. It happens. We, we've seen it. You know, with Brandon Banks, was never used as a receiver. New coaching staff comes in, 
and June Jones puts him into the offense, pays huge dividends. Um, you know, see guys that, you know, are used in a certain way when certain teams go to another team and they think uh, they're misusing this guy and they put him into the lineup and they, they try this stuff and it doesn't pan out and it makes you look like, well, whatever, we still got this guy to do what he did before, then it, then it seems like a waste. But, like, Lavoie shouldn't be your best Canadian receiver. and He's a big boy. He should be blocking, I think. Yeah. Uh, he shouldn't be your best Canadian receiver, and if he is, uh, your offense is in a lot of trouble. I, I mean that that is no slight to Patrick Lavoie. It's just that's that's not what he is. Yeah, we're not. Uh, I'm not crapping on him at all. But he's such a big body; he could be an mm-hmm. extra blocker back there. And Lord knows that's what the Riders need now because they've been lucky the entire season when it came to injuries on that offensive line. Well. Darius Bladak ends up getting carted off the field. On the other side, Zach Evans left the game. Matt Elam left the game. And Mikhail Brooks got carted off the field, who has been a big part of that Saskatchewan rush defense up the middle. These are some big injuries for the Riders at really the wrong time. Mm-hmm. I uh, After the Lions win in Calgary... I really think that it's possible that they lose out here. And I, I oh, yeah. don't think that is exaggerating. There's only two games. They're going to Calgary next. And then uh, BC could come in on a roll on the last game of the season before the bye for the Riders. So this game was critical, and they didn't show up. And then you had the injuries on top of that. Suddenly, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not, a, not a good spot to be in. Like, the off the offense hasn't been very good. We've, they've been considerably lucky with the injuries um you know they've had guys go down but i mean they, they were holes you could fill but you know it's getting that time in the year where you, you don't want to start start trying to fill holes in week 18 it, it it just doesn't bode well for your season um you know and, and the depth that you need to have at this time of year to win football games uh, is just something i don't know if this team has and like you said losing out is a complete possibility and i, I think it happens uh, which totally puts the playoff picture into a tailspin. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, but yeah, just you know, at some point the injuries were going to happen. It would be nice for them to be a little more spread out, and maybe earlier in the year. But this is the hand they're dealt, and you know they kind of put themselves in this situation to a point as well. Time for Josiah St. John to show that number one pick pedigree, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, Got to give credit to the Bombers, especially Adam Big Hill. Mm-hmm. He was all over the field dominating the Riders. It felt like he was in the backfield or around the ball every single play. And congrats to him for getting a 600 tackles in his career. He's a hell of a player, and he's playing as good as he ever has. He He might be playing better than he ever has. Yeah, that's a uh, good know, point. He, he, I think <laughs> Three he's, sacks, forced fumble, eight tackles. <laughs> he might have had better statistical years when he was with the Lions, but just the leadership that he brings uh, to this Winnipeg defense is something that Sam Hurl could have never done. Um, you know, and I know we crap on Sam Hurl, but that's because it's Sam Hurl. Um, you know, just the leadership he's able to bring <laughs> to that defense and just totally control, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage uh, as a linebacker, you know, he's able, he's just, he's a game changer. And that's exactly what this defense needed. 
uh, that they did, they had Taylor Loeffler and you know a couple guys that you know ball hawks, but they had they didn't have a guy in the middle that could dictate which way the running back would have to go and then completely shut that down. Loeffler can do it, but Loeffler's yeah. a safety, so he's 10, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. Take that. I mean, you're going to have to be so far out of position on blitzes and stuff. Adam Big Hill just completely shut down a team's offense on his own. Uh, and it's just amazing to watch. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, Taylor Loeffler, he had two interceptions. Anthony Gator had the fumble return for a touchdown. The the Bomber defense, they might actually be the fastest mm-hmm. defense in the league. And it's almost like once they get that one tur- turnover, they're like sharks in the water. and yeah. They just want more and will not let up. It's actually quite impressive to watch. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> and you know what? How about that Strebler touchdown to Weston uh, Dressler? Um, it looked like they were just going to sneak it for a yard. He runs back. He throws a bullet to Dressler, who makes a beautiful catch for a touchdown. And I feel like they're utilizing their two quarterbacks mm-hmm. perfectly in Winnipeg. Sh- shades of Dan Marino with the fake spike. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I that I love that play call. Um, you're totally catching the defense off guard because they totally assume that Strevler's just going to come in and sneak it, like you said, get get the first down, whatever. Uh, you know, if that play backfires, Michael Shea is getting ostracized. Uh, if that play doesn't, yeah. if that play doesn't work out and the game doesn't go like it did, uh, it worked out. It's a great play call, right spot in the field to do it. I, I, just, why why couldn't? Why, or why can't Saskatchewan figure out how to use their quarterbacks properly? Or maybe not properly, but <laughs> like, I, the fact that Kolaros is having... When they were using yeah, two guys early in yeah, the year. Yeah, the fact that Kolaros is having the year he is, it just shows that maybe they made a huge mistake in signing him. I don't know. It's just it's not going well. And, I mean, we could pile on and crap on this team uh, for another hour. But, I mean, we got other games that were way better than this one we can talk about. Yeah, Darvin Adams had the one catch for 72 yards, mm-hmm. uh, so he made that one c- count with the touchdown. It was a beautiful play. One note on Saskatchewan, where do you think they go with the quarterback situation next year? Um, it's been talked about a lot. The uh, free agent frenzy that could happen next season with uh, Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, absolutely everyone. Do they stick with Caleros? Do they go with a young guy with upside, James Franklin, um, Jonathan Jennings, who really doesn't seem like their GM likes much in BC, um, or do they restructure the contract of Zach Caleros and get him back for cheaper? I'm kind of leaning towards that option for the Riders. I I don't see a scenario where Caleros is not the starting quarterback because – uh, Chris Jones cannot put his ego aside. He does not want this signing to look like a failure. Fair enough. That that's just my that's my, <laughs> that's my humble opinion. <laughs> yeah, you're so humble, aren't hey, you? It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> We're saying thank you to our sponsor today, uh, ATB Financial, and they've got that new podcast, We Are Alberta. It comes out once a month, hosted by ATB economist Nick Ford. Now, the first one came out, let's see, actually last month in September, and it's all about uh, naturals, you know, 
cannabis, how that's going to change Alberta's economic fabric. And hey, it's the big week, Brazilian tie. I don't know if they've got any of that stuff out in Morden, Manitoba, but uh, it's the big week for that legalization. I'm sure and some guys will be losing of- their jobs Wednesday morning. <laughs> And then, uh, actually, just a few weeks ago, episode two came out talking about Alberta's uh, energy sector changing. So go check out uh, We Are Alberta by ATB. It's all on the website, atb.com slash we are Alberta, atb.com slash we are Alberta. Game number three on the week. It was a crucial game for both teams. The Edmonton Eskimos come out of the hole, and you know what? They played well in all three phases, I thought. Edmonton beats Ottawa 34-16. It was real close as the game started going, and I think what needs to be talked about here is Mike Riley and his performance here. 31 of 38 for 369 yards. They had a touchdown. He also had... uh, 10 carries for 72 yards. This guy was on the floor of his bathroom Friday morning with the flu. He was feeling like absolute garbage. Quote, unquote, the flu. I've been on the bathroom floor before. (laughs) He didn't go to walk through. Kevin Glenn worked with the ones, and then he came out and had a performance like this Mm -hmm. and you know what it seemed like the rest of his team wasn't really supporting him as uh the game started with bryant mitchell one of the most boneheaded fumbles you'll see trying to stiff arm a guy behind him (laughs) makes complete sense why you would do that the ball Yeah, and then uh, Duke Williams uh, had a bad fumble as well there's a guy that I don't know if is 100% himself yeah um with that big hit a few weeks ago, I think it was the Winnipeg game. Um, and he, he, he doesn't look the same. He he had five catches for 39 yards, but he had the fumble there as well. Who knows if he's 100%? And who knows? Maybe this cold is bugging uh, Mr. Duke Williams as well. But Mike Riley looked like his old MOP self here. Yeah, 31-38, 369. Uh, touchdown, 72 rushing yards, like you said. like Those, those are completely insane uh you'd like to see maybe the touchdowns a little little higher but i mean cj gable comes through with two on the ground uh brian mitchell 13 catches they threw to him 17 times he was a beast here like 13 catches 190 for and a touchdown 38 fantasy points like you said duke williams five on six uh targets for 39 they duke williams wasn't a huge part of the offense on Saturday, and like you said, I think a lot of that attributes to him maybe not being 100%. Uh, weather starting to turn, injuries, you know, if you're a little bit sore, it's not going to feel any better in the cold. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder moving around. So he doesn't look like himself. Uh, CJ Gable, one catch, 22. He added 87 yards rushing, so he had a nice little day. Uh, you know, the offense looked like it bounced back after those early struggles they had in the last couple weeks. It, it looks like a completely different team. Uh, you know, next week could be another repeat of what we saw last week we just don't know what we're getting they're kind of just really inconsistent right now and it's it kind of sucks you know because we're so used to this being such a prolific offense and, and really fun to watch this this was that this was that offense this week the last couple of weeks it hasn't been so just hoping they can keep it up 
yeah, can they do it again? Mm-hmm. Uh, Martise Jackson even got into the fun with a 13-yard rush for a touchdown, made a beautiful cut on that play. Um, listening to the postgame show afterwards was a lot of fun. Mike Riley was giving Brian Mitchell the gears on his big 75-yard touchdown. The defense caught up to him and tackled him, so uh, <laughs> it looked like Mitchell may have run out of gas running for 75 yards. But we talked about the Riders' offensive line making all these changes and it not going well against Winnipeg. The Eskimo offensive line made some big changes. Tommy Dreheim ends up coming off the injured list, plays left tackle for the first time since week one. Matt O'Donnell moves back to right guard. And look at that. They keep Mike Riley clean. Mm-hmm. It's the best uh, the offensive line has looked since early in the season. Weird what can happen when guys are playing their positions, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Funny how that yeah, works. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I don't get it. But, I mean, and it offensive- helps that Arjun yeah. Colhoun is back playing corner. Absolutely, it does. That, that's a, also another huge – and it's, it's almost like another trade deadline. I know the trade deadline – was earlier in the week, but I mean, when guys are coming off the injured list, it's the same thing in any sport or any league. You know, guys coming off an injury list is like a is like a free agency signing or or a trade where you didn't have to give anything up, and they're getting added into this lineup. And you, the added bonus is that they already know the system. Nothing's changed since they got hurt. Um, you know, there well, there there probably is changes, but I mean, they've been with the team the whole time that they know these changes. And you know, guys coming back in the lineup, it's a huge add for this team that needs to win football games right now. They're not in a playoff spot that they need to they need to win football games. They need to win their last five. They they need to win yep. out because they if you want to control your own destiny, you don't want to be relying on other teams. Uh, that's just that's too risky. Uh, you know, if if you're going to rely on other teams to to win. Uh, for example, if you need Calgary to win in Week 21, you're probably not going to get it. Uh, if you need Calgary to win in the Grey Cup, you're probably not going to get it either. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, you want to you be able yeah. to control your own destiny. And so, I mean, these guys coming back is a huge ad for this team. Um, Vidal Hazelton. Well, let's say it. the Eskimos had eight receivers mm-hmm. involved in this one. I know Natea J had minus three yards, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> uh, Vidal Hazelton even had himself four catches for 44 yards and some nice ones early in the game. I said in the stands, um, so where was that against Regina? He had a rough game against the Riders the week before, and he bounces back with some nice catches in this one. So the Eskimo offense was firing in all cylinders, and see what happens when you give your running back 17 carries. Uh, C.J. Gable has himself yep. 87 yards, and he averages over five yards a carry. That's massive for your offense. And why do you think that Mike Riley had such a prolific day passing the ball? Because they were able to, to set up off the run, and Ottawa's defense had to respect it. And if you have to respect the run, you're going to have to load up the box a little bit, uh, you know, and maybe change up your scheme. And that leaves leaves your your halfbacks pretty vulnerable, uh, especially against guys like Mitchell and Duke Williams, uh, guys that can go up and get the football, make plays for the quarterback. It just, that's just such a huge aspect, uh, that running game for Edmonton, because they, they can set so much off of it. Uh, and, you know, Mike Riley adding 72 yards rushing too, like that's – you can't be giving up 72 rushing yards to a quarterback and and win a football game. It's really tough to do. 
It was a real fun game plan to watch, uh, I thought, in the stands in the first half because the Eskimo corners were playing eight, nine yards off the receivers, and then Ottawa had no problem running screen passes and taking seven or eight mm-hmm. yards at a time, and they kind of made the adjustments there. Um, there was a point wait, where wait, they tried wait, to go man-to-man. You're saying Mike Benavides. <laughs> this is what you're telling me, is Mike Benavides played a soft <laughs> zone defense? <laughs> Get that garbage out of here. Then he goes man-to-man. Mercy Maston on Deontay Spencer, and what happens? Spencer gets a 61-yard touchdown. In my lineup. (laughs) That was a fun battle to watch. I don't know if you can see it on TV, but Maston and Spencer were going at it. Yeah, and that's exactly (laughs) what you want this time of year. Yeah, uh, it was fun to watch. Spencer had five catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. And Sinopoli, he had himself six catches for 50 yards. I mentioned that. First time in his career, 100 catches Mm -hmm. in a single season. Sinopoli having an amazing year. And I don't know if you want to call it a breakout, but it's definitely the best season he's had. Yeah, and, you know, we (laughs) we looked at this offense for the last couple years – Guys just seem to rack up a thousand yards with ease, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and so to call it a coming out, and I don't know if you can call it that. Uh, he's becoming more consistent. Uh, I would think we're more more reliable. He, he's kind of settled into that. Not not yeah. necessarily settled into a role, but he's that second down. He he can catch anything you throw at him. Almost, uh, you know, great ball security minus a few hiccups like we've seen. But I mean, this guy just week in week out. Uh, you know, throw the ball, catch the ball, and and that's just the name of the. And that's just what he does. It's the name of the game. The Red Blacks couldn't get the league's leading rusher going, and you know what? Two of the league's leading rushers were non-factors this week, with Andrew Harris having nothing to do in the second <laughs> half of the Ryder Bombers game. But Powell only had nine carries for forty yards. A big part of that, I think, is Amondo Sewell, who signed himself mm-hmm. a two-year extension with the Edmonton Eskimos. He has really turned it on, even in the game last week against Saskatchewan. Uh, Sewell had himself a game, and in this one, he had another sack. He adds three tackles as a defensive tackle. He disrupts just about any play <laughs> that he's a part of. It's awesome, and it's really difficult to get sacks from that inside position. Uh, you know, oh, it's yeah. a lot of double and sometimes triple teams, uh, depending on how the tackles are handling the ends on the outside. So, for him to be as explosive as he is, is in the middle. Uh, is a treat to watch, and like when he goes down for three plays because he gets rolled up on or something like that, you can see the change in that defensive line in the middle. Uh, it's just not the same, and then when he gets back on the field, it seems like they're back to their old way. So he's a huge component to that defense for Edmonton. Yeah, so once Powell gets out of the game for Ottawa, it does shut down the uh, pass game mm-hmm. a little bit. They did okay with their big three in Ellingson, Spencer, and Sinopoli, but Edmonton just... They beat them all over the place. And you know what? Driving to Commonwealth Stadium that day, my little old Ford Ranger was getting blown all over the highway. I was really worried about Lewis Ward's streak. (laughs) (laughs) But he he kept it going. Another three, and Lewis Ward's streak is alive. And you know what? He is going to miss. Well, he's got to miss eventually. Does he, though? The next kick he misses, <laughs> it's going to be crucial. Oh, it's going to cost a division lead. Why would you do this to lead. Red Blacks fans? 
<laughs> what is your problem? It's gonna cost. <laughs> it's gonna cost a playoff game, a Grey Cup, a division win. You're an animal. Something. You're an animal. Well, come on. He's he's not gonna miss a game in the you know a, a kick in the first quarter. You know that. But what if he does? Then there's no pressure. Well, maybe he should intentionally miss one. Then, yeah, man. Just, uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> is he? Is he's got to be rookie of the year? Is he not? Ooh. Or at least the East nominee. You know what? I I would like to see that. I would. Have I'm, we ever seen a kicker win rookie of the year? I, I probably have, but. I, I don't know who else you, you even put in there. Yeah, I really don't think there's another option. No. Like, he he has... He... I've, I've never seen anything like this. Like, yeah. Like, this is insane what he's doing, especially as a rookie. Oh. <laughs> like, it's it's stupid. It's a, lot, it's a lot of fun to watch. And you just jinxed him, so now he probably won't win it. Oh, if I had that power, man... <laughs> yeah, then you'd be cheering for the Astros right now. <laughs> you know, I, I used to think it would be uh, Don Jackson's award to lose, but he's kind of slowed down a little bit. And you know what? I would love to see uh, little Lewis Ward walk away with that award. What is he? Five foot one? I think that makes it more impressive. <laughs> yeah. Go from a security guard to to rookie of the year. like. It needs to be a movie. <laughs> he was working the game that uh, the Ottawa Red Black, what was it, second and 38 or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. when Burris made the big throw to Ellingson to go to the Grey Cup? He was a security guard at that game. And now he's one of the best kickers in the league. I love it. Yeah, it's it's unreal. So uh, a tough loss for Ottawa. I mean, they're on the road here. Edmonton was firing in all cylinders. Um uh, Ottawa just could not take advantage of the turnovers in the first half. They only came away with field goals there. If they turn those into majors, it is a, it is a different game and a different result here. But Edmonton's defense has been holding. They've been limiting players, and people have mm-hmm. been crapping on Benavides a lot. But the, the defense has been playing well. They have not been to, bl- to blame for this losing streak that they just got out of. No, when your offense isn't scoring points, it, it's hard. You can't you can't shut teams out every week. Um, you know, if you, yeah, if your defense, if your offense is only scoring eight, yeah, yeah, good for you. If you're only scoring eighteen, nineteen <laughs> points in a week, it's really hard to win football games. It's really hard to put that much trust and that much faith and that much onus on your defense. Uh, it gets a little ridiculous, and when you're playing that much, it's really hard to to stay on top of it. So I tell you what, when I left Commonwealth Stadium, I was 3-0 and for my pick for the week. I was feeling pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, just a little, just a note, just a note. Uh, I'm on Wikipedia, so take this for a grain, with a grain of salt. I do not see any kicker uh, winning the most outstanding rookie award in the CFL. Oh. So it could be a first. a first. Yes. 
Uh, by the time we were out of Edmonton, it was 13 nothing BC. Uh, Calgary loses their first lo- first game of the year at home, and BC only wins their second road game of the year. They're into that crossover spot. They are hanging on. And this this Friday night football this week with Ottawa, Hamilton, BC, Edmonton is going to be some fun football. I, I cannot wait to watch that. You know what? What I felt with BC here, they just controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah. The offensive line really held. Um, when when you're going against Jagarrod Davis and uh, Micah Johnson, and you're able to. Run the ball like you did. Tyrell Sutton, his first game, he has 106 yards and two touchdowns. Um, And really, they kept Lule clean for the most part. So that offensive line had a hell of a performance for the Lions. Yeah, and, you know, Sutton being able to to get those 22 carries, that really gets your offensive line more involved. Uh, They're doing the hitting as opposed to being the ones getting ran at and smashed. In the head continually, uh, gets him more more into the game, uh, and yeah, he, now we've talked about this. This is the time of year where you need to run the football, and, and Sutton keeping it between the tackles, uh, you know that that wears a defense out as well, and they're able to feed off of it. And you know they didn't he didn't didn't put up huge numbers, but Lule was able to take advantage and spread the ball around to his receivers. Only through the one pick, didn't have a great day fantasy wise, but it was good enough to win the football game. And the BC defense really held. Um, Calgary had an opportunity to come back in this one, or they they were leading twenty one twenty late in the game, and then uh, BC just kept chipping away with more tie long field goals, including a big fifty two yarder uh, late in the game, and the defense just really held. And at the beginning of the year, that defense was getting. They were getting criticized a yeah. lot, especially the secondary. But now they're sitting here, and Solomon Elamimian is probably a week from getting back onto the field, and the defense is going to get even better. Yeah. Uh, once they got, once they traded for Sean Lemon, I mean, it seemed to turn that defensive line around, and, and the defense started to click a little more. And now they've finally shown that they can play with the big boys, so to speak. I mean, to go into Calgary and, and win a football game this time of the year uh, when they're still starting starters is a huge accomplishment for this team. It just looked like BC wanted it more, and yep. quite frankly, they needed it more um, oh, to get into ba- this one. <laughs> ba- ba- you back, they, ba- they were backed into a corner, right? It's like a dangerous animal. Back in a corner, it's going to fight, uh, and that's exactly <laughs> what BC did. I, I wanted to use a cat uh, metaphor there, but it just seemed <laughs> too on the nose. So, <laughs> but they, like you said, the, the desperate times call for desperate measures. They 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 showed up and they balled out and they got the win. And that I mean, getting a, a win anytime uh, against a division point, uh, opponent is huge. Uh, to do it against Calgary in November, or in October, uh, this close to playoffs, is it makes it even more impressive. Don Jackson only had twelve carries for thirty-five yards, two point nine yards per carry. His uh, longest rush good. was eight yards, and he was running hard, uh, but the BC defense was mm-hmm. just there with Awe and Herdman and uh, Davon Coleman. I, I love that guy up the middle. He's fun to watch. And, oh, you know what? My fantasy week started so good. 
Mazzoli, John White, uh, Brandon Burks, Luke Tasker, and then it just fell off a cliff with Caleb Hawley and Juwan Breskison, who has had double-digit points in the last three weeks. In this one, he gets one target, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that, that is it. Eric Rogers had 11 targets, three catches, and 41 yards. Chris Matthews had three catches and 45 yards and a touchdown. His first CFL game since, I guess, playing with the Bombers in 2012. He's only been there for a few weeks. But it sure seems like Bo likes to throw to those big boys, those big receivers in Rodgers and Matthews. Uh, and it, it's so much easier to do that. Uh, you know, you, you, get, yeah. you, get a, you get a favorable matchup uh, size-wise against a smaller defensive half, and it just makes sense to, to throw a ball up and let your – let your playmakers make plays, and and that's what Bo has done. Uh, he's still really good at throwing to almost anybody on his team, but it seemed like he really struggled, uh, you know, in that second half, just trying to make the short dump routes mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. It didn't look good. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what that was. I mean, he was bound to have an off game at some point. They 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 weren't gonna, you know, run the table by any means for the rest of the year. So. It just, I don't know. It, it just, like, Matthews and Eric Rogers are probably going to be his favorite targets, especially with the depleted receiving core they have. And they're the, you know, they're, they're going to play, they're going to play against smaller guys. And it's just throw the ball up and hope for the best, I think, is, is basically what he's thinking in, in a lot of these spots. Uh, and on the other hand, Lule is having his receivers get behind defenders and, and they're not looking at the ball. And he's able to, to get throws into where, you know, it looks like, the defender is all over it, but he's really not. And Bo just didn't have those opportunities, or when he did, he just didn't make the play that he needed to make at that point in time. So he's outplayed a little bit. The stats don't say it, uh, but I just think I think Lule had a way better game. Anthony Parker burned his old team with a 79-yard mm-hmm. punt return, um, and Brian Burnham had himself 65 yards on two catches, uh, a 55-yarder that was a tough one that he hauled in, but that seems to be his bread and butter. He likes to catch those tough ones as well, and Devere Posey had four catches for 44 yards on eight targets, so he continues to get more involved in that Lions offense. Burnham, it seems like, has kind of... You know, uh, become a bigger leader, a bigger presence on that offense since uh, Manny Arsenal went down, and that's that's what needs to happen. You need guys to step up in situations like that. We know Arsenal, uh, you know, huge veteran presence in that in that locker room, in that receiving core, in that offense, uh, and for Burnham to step up and take over that role somewhat. I know Arsenal is still around the team and stuff like that, but I mean, on the field, you need to have a guy who's going to assume that leadership role, and Burnham's done a heck of a job. So the Lions win, and we could actually have a three way tie for second uh, as this season winds to a close. We could have a, a four way tie at the end of it. <laughs> oh, you're right, a four way tie. The Riders are ten and six, Bombers mm-hmm. nine and seven, Lions eight and seven, and Eskimos eight and eight. 
<laughs> uh, Thursday's podcast. We're going to have some fun games to talk about with uh, Friday night football being Ottawa, Hamilton, BC, Edmonton. And then uh, the game of the year on Saturday will be the Argos and the Owls. And then uh, the Riders and the Stampeders Saturday night. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so basically what we're getting on Saturday night is an NL, an NL matchup and an AL matchup. Hey, you know what? I might pick Johnny Manziel as my quarterback. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Actually, it's probably we're... not a terrible pick at all. <laughs> <laughs> we're a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Go to the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com, because there is a there's a category, there's a podcast for all kinds of interests. There is Ed, conversations about the teaching life. Uh, Shane Lawrence is the uh, host, just honest conversations with uh, the teacher, and I, I'm still, well, I'm not fresh out of high school, but if I could go back and say one thing to my teachers, it would probably be, I'm sorry. Mine would be, can you teach me how to do taxes? <laughs> I don't I I don't know where I was I'm supposed to or when I'm going to use matrices. But I have a feeling that my time could have been spent learning some other valuable life lessons instead of that. Hey. Yeah, I when I went to buy a house, I knew nothing. I, I didn't know nope. where to start. Uh, uh, but I've been doing my own taxes since I was about seventeen. So, oh yeah, it's easy. I just go online, punch it in, and I don't have any write-offs, so it's not like it matters. Yeah, and I've never been audited. Uh, then I'll no. worry. <laughs> yeah, if the government wants to keep giving me money. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm getting tax returns at this point, but I'll take it. I don't know how we got to this point, but albertapodcastnetwork.com. <laughs> Check out all the other great shows in uh, the network. Give us a rating, a review, a subscription on iTunes, and we shall talk to you Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.